0: Alright, it's Friday evening, about five thirty. Uh, in the evening. I'm sitting here with Tim Hilby. Um, when 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 you and I talked about getting together for this, I, I had envisioned like maybe like an hour of potentially discussion that potentially is is, is just really spiraling out of control. After drinking, and then maybe a fight, and maybe a fire. That was <laughs> maybe not
1: so much the fight, but definitely spiraling out of control.
0: <laughs> so, um, Tim and I play together with, on St. Arnold's, the St. Arnold's men's team. T- Tim's the, the, the brain trust behind it. He's the one who keeps us all in line. And, uh, of course, being sponsored by a, a beer company has its perks, and, and Tim works there as well, right? So, we're actually sitting here enjoying some St. Arnold's beer. Of course. Which is awesome. Um so yeah, Tim and I were talking a little bit before I got rolling. What interested me about Tim and, and why I wanted to bring him on here uh, was I, I I think I actually saw you play. In fact, I'm pretty positive I saw you play when you were in high school, and I know I saw you play when you were at U of H. So he grew up here locally. He played in high school, played here for the University of Houston and MCLA. You know, stayed local, coach, playing men's league, right? So again. You know, as I try to find interesting people locally, it's interesting to find folks that are, you know, playing multiple roles, seeing the sport through, through different lenses, and, 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 and you fit the bill for sure. Um, so I'm excited that you're here. I'm excited yeah. to be here. Yeah. And but then the, the other first is, this is the first time I've done one of these at the house. Yeah. Oh, I is didn't I? realize that. <laughs> <laughs> so I've done them in people's kitchens. I've done them uh, in a bo- on a box in a box. Yeah, uh, I did one over Skype.
1: Yeah, and then you did the EHS one with Donnelly. That's right
0: at his office, but I've never done one here at the house. So congratulations.
1: <laughs> well, it helps that you're just right down the road almost. <laughs>
0: congratulations! Yeah, this is. I may make this a requirement from the house. <laughs> Bring a six pack of beer and come to the house. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm gonna. I'll start off with Tim, where I always start off. Right is. Um, he told me something I didn't realize, actually, a minute ago. Um, I, I'm, I'm curious kind of how you found lacrosse, right? When, when you found lacrosse, how you found lacrosse, and where you found it.
1: So, I'm the <laughs> typical Texas guy, you know, football, baseball. That's all it was growing up. Uh, played football from third grade until I graduated high school. Had the opportunities to go play in college, but I was burnt out on football, tired of getting hits to the head, too many concussions to count. Baseball started that probably the minute I could walk. Then I got to high school, did my freshman year playing baseball at Strake, got bored of it. And not because I wasn't doing well, it was just a little slower for me. And it wasn't keeping me in great shape for football. Uh, And I wanted to do something to kind of keep football easier for me at the time my u.s history teacher was mike block the uh, head coach so, so what for, year was this this was 2000 so 2006 fall 2006 was when i decided to start playing lacrosse or no fall 2007 uh and then spring 2008 was my first ever lacrosse season.
0: To so when, how long had Bach been at Strake? That, that was
1: his second year at Strike. My freshman year was his first year, but I didn't play lacrosse freshman year. So right. my first year was my sophomore year uh, of high school. And like I was saying earlier, I'm probably the first person you've had on here that didn't grow up with a lacrosse stick in their hand. I know Taylor didn't start until... He was but uh, middle, middle school, school or something, right. but still, I mean, all I knew from lacrosse was that Strake had it, and Duke went through their little scandal. Uh, uh, those
0: are the two most important things to know, right? Point, uh,
1: <laughs> and uh, so, so,
0: who else are there? Are is there anybody we would know from that
1: team? Oh yeah, um, so my sophomore class was full of talent. Um, and it wasn't so much we had the lacrosse IQ or anything. We were athletes. Uh, so let me think who you would know. Tyler McLam, He went off, played at Bucknell. He gra- I graduated with him at Strake. Uh, not sure if you'll know Chris Dewan or Joey Whipple, but Chris Dewan had a spot reserved for him at Syracuse, I believe. Or it might have been Virginia, one of the two. Uh, but he turned it down because they didn't have petroleum engineering, so he went off, went to A and and for two years at A and he was the leading scorer in the MCLA. Uh, but he stopped after his sophomore year. Then Joey Whippled, big time lefty shooter. Uh, Patrick O'Meara graduated with him. He uh he had a lot of D three D two offers, uh, but uh ended up going to LSU. Didn't play his first two years at LSU, and then his junior and senior year there, he ended up playing and did pretty solid there. Um, But, I mean, those were like the glory years of straight Jesuit lacrosse. Uh, My junior year, uh, the 2009 season, we hit a real rough slump in our season, and then we just went on a burn. We just started beating people left and right. Um, ended up making it to the state semifinals and lost to St. Mark's. And going by what Donnelly said with his, St. Mark's is like the kryptonite to Houston lacrosse. Because the very next year, we went to the Super Regional,
0: lost to St. Mark's. So, the 2009 season, I'm trying to remember. There was a straight game that I went to. It was straight... At Friendswood. And I think that must was have a,
1: been early in the season.
0: And there was a kid, a straight kid, who busted a shoulder or broke a collarbone or something like that. that was that would, that season? Uh, so
1: that probably would have been Sam Finney. But I don't think he, he didn't join us until playoffs. Strake, uh, Father Layhart at Strake, he was completely against freshmen playing varsity. So that might have been later on. In Sam's career so maybe his okay. sophomore ju- or junior year uh, but Sam Finney that that was another kid who was on my junior team he was a freshman at the time got pulled up like halfway through the season closer to playoffs and as a junior deep hole and Sam Finney's on the field you ask this freshman what you need to do correctly this, this kid was just insane he went off played uh, at Army uh, did four years there playing and could take the ball away from anyone uh, but uh yeah we didn't have him until halfway through the season our my junior year we went on a seven game win streak straight into the state semifinals
0: so who were t- who were some uh, I'm trying to remember I think the the current d1 d2 methodology right i think that came into being like 2001 2002 yeah so, so that existed so so were y'all in the d1 or y'all d1, d1 team so uh, who were some of the, the teams that y'all were playing at that
1: point? uh so it was episcopal the woodlands kingwood st john's lamar was still division one at the time uh kincaid school uh, I'm trying I, to think of some other ones. I would
0: forgotten that Lamar was a D1 school. Yeah, player.
1: I think those were actually the only Division one teams in Houston at the time. Uh, but we would always have to travel to either Austin or Dallas and play at least one of their Division one teams. And it was always based on rankings the previous year, who you would have to play. So we went to Austin that year. Yeah, we went to Austin that year played Westlake and Westwood. We lost to Westwood, a game we should not have lost to. Or a team we should not have lost to. And we were pretty pissed off. We go into the Westlake game and just destroy them. Uh, And I I don't think Westlake was ready for it. Because we were just... it, It was a rough weekend for us until that game. Then uh, came home, played the Woodlands. And I am proud to say that I'm probably one of the only players who has a winning record against the Woodlands. Uh, <coughs> and that was, we played them three times a year, the Woodlands. And once at the beginning of the season, once at the end, and then we would always meet in playoffs. Uh, and my two years on varsity, we won both, time, both times in the playoffs. They would always beat us at the beginning of the season, we would win the last two at the end. Was
0: was Block your coach the entire time were you there? You yeah,
1: there? he oh. was the only lacrosse coach I had until I was at U of H. Uh, and at U of H, at, honestly, the Paps Blue Ribbons team at in the Spindle Tap League, yeah. it's half of them coached me at some point. Really? Yeah. They're all, you have Mike Block, Justin Rich, Andres Dickmanis. All you need to throw in there is, I think, James Chen. John Cicola, uh, and then you have Mike McMullen on that team. He didn't actually coach me, but he was a coach at Strake uh, while I was playing there. So, again, someone who was also kind of yeah. a, a figure for me going through lacrosse. Yeah.
0: Did, you, did you play close D the whole time?
1: No, so Block never wanted me to have a D-pole. Block's dream always was a big dodging midfielder. He wanted me to get stick skills, be scoring all the time, which ah, I would have loved that. Honestly, I wasn't a lacrosse player until after I left Strake. I had no idea what to do. I was the meathead running out there. I was in the penalty box at all times. Uh, but I was LSM. Uh, so when I was in high school, I was 190 pounds running a four 40. That's why Block wanted me at midfield. Ended up being a long stick midfielder. They just called me a golden retriever. Go get the ball, get it to offense, get off the Jill. field. <laughs> and that's that's what it came, that's what it ended up being. And the more and more I played, you could see me in the penalty box less and less. So I started to learn when to hit people. But right. my first year, sophomore year, uh, I, I was constantly in the penalty box. But I was, it was JV, lacrosse, just learning how to play. Yeah. No, no need for me to stop hitting people. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so I was just constantly just hitting people. Then my junior year, second year playing, block puts me on varsity. And I'm ecstatic. First couple games, I'm dominating at LSM, getting every ground ball, playing position D, doing everything right. Then for some reason, like third, fourth game, I just can't pick up a ground ball anymore. And it goes on for a little bit. Block finally just goes, take this short stick. You're going to learn how to pick up ground balls real well. So I was a short stick d MIDI my whole junior year. It was terrible. I hated using that short <laughs> you can't stick. You not say that. <laughs> <laughs> I hated using that short stick. Uh because, you know, with a deep hole, it's so easy to get ground balls. You don't have to get down and scoop them with that short stick. Uh, and I had no stick control, like, uh, uh, no stick protection.
0: So did he, when he when he bestowed this, this honor onto you, I mean, was it seen as punishment, or was it?
1: It was in hopes that I would get the stick skills and knowledge to be an offensive player. Um, but... That never happened. Fall ball, my senior year comes around. I go, I want to play deep hole again. He's like, "You sure?" I was like, "Definitely." He let me do deep hole, and I ended up being LSM that year. Uh, it was a fun time. That was the first time I ever used my left hand in a game. Was my senior year.
0: How did y'all do as a team that senior year? Uh,
1: we went eighteen and seven. Uh, man, that's a good number of games. Oh, block. Block refused to deny people. And that was one thing I, I ended up doing when I coached was, yeah, let's play.
0: Yeah, heck yeah. You learn
1: more playing the game than practicing. Yeah, you can go over certain stuff and practice. But to me, everything I learned has either been watching the game or playing it. Not so much just going to practice and
0: running drills.
1: Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah that'll help with your defensive sets, offensive sets but that's really all it should be is just going through that, getting a little bit of scrimmaging in and then being ready for the game. Uh, but yeah, we went 18 and seven. We, I want to say we got third in Houston. That was the year that Episcopal got, it was Episcopal got first. Then I think St. John's Strake, and then the Woodlands, uh,
0: so and that was also the first year they put in the super regionals. So I think going back to the discussion with Donley, I think Donley was at EHS. Yeah. Right. So do you remember? Oh he yeah. Was a coach? Do you really? Yeah. He, awesome. All <laughs> he ever did was play his own, and no one
1: could ever beat that. <laughs> but uh, I, he
0: had some things never change. Yeah, <laughs> exactly.
1: He had a uh, Michael Littner, and I hate I love Michael Littner, but I hate thinking about Littner because earlier that year. Him and I, he was the LSM for EHS and then would drop and play low. uh, Or he was, yeah, he was the LSM on the faceoff, then would play low D the rest of the game until the next faceoff. Well, Lintner picks up a ground ball on a faceoff, and I'm sitting there playing him, and we knew each other at the time. And he, uh, he just starts smiling, and I'm just like ready to play D. And he does a swim move on me. He successfully swim moved me with his D pole, and I had my D pole. And he, to this day, he will never let me live that down. I bet. He, he'll just come up to me and just do a swim move on me. We'll, we'll be going to get, like, a beer or something from somewhere, and he'll do that. Uh, but, no, he was an amazing player. Uh, still is. Uh, and, yeah, EHS, that was their year. They did a great job that year. Um, so, yeah, that was also the first year they had the Super Regionals, 2010- First year they did Super Regionals. Everything before that, it was City Champion went and then won at large. Right. So it would be City Champion Dallas, City Champion Houston, City Champion Austin, and then at large would always be a Dallas team pretty much. Uh, But we get to the Super Regionals my senior year, and the first game we're playing is versus Anderson. They were the I want to say the first place team out of Austin. And man, were they pumped. They had brand new jerseys. First time ever being worn because it was their first ever playoff game. They were so ecstatic. They just won Austin. There's no way anyone's going to beat them. Well, we didn't have our starters in the second half. We just blew them out of the water. Uh, And I felt bad because we were in Austin. And they had all these Anderson people in the stands and they're just quiet. After like the first three goals, which happened in like the first three minutes, they were just like, uh it was the end of it. Yeah. There was no chance they were coming back for that. Then uh the very next day we played Saint Mark's for the super regional finals there. And they were just our kryptonite. We did not beat them once my career at Strake. And every game was like a two-goal game.
0: God, St. Mark's. I remember. Shoot. I'm trying to... So, Dan Morris, right? Yeah. St. Mark's kid. I thought he he was a uh, Dallas Jesuit. Was he Jesuit? So I think he was. So maybe Jesuit that I'm thinking of. At one point, they had. Because they had. Uh, his backup.
1: Yeah, both of them. They were Dallas Jesuit boys. Yeah, so, yeah. you had Dan Morris, who went off, won a national championship at Maryland. Then... Who was behind him? Can't remember his name. He was just with the Rattlers. He might still be with them. But uh, he went off to Boston uh, University. And he was a three time All Patriot League goalie for them. And you have. They're the same graduating class at Dallas Jesuit. I I remember watching. How do you get so lucky to have that talent? (laughs) I, I
0: remember I was at a game at Houston Christian watching. The two of them warm up in pregame, and they were both like mindless cyborgs. They looked identical, right? They hit the every each and every spot perfectly in warmups, and I, you almost couldn't tell them apart. It, it was wild.
1: Yeah, I mean, you have, they had two goalies. One is now in the MLL, and the other one's in the PLL. Like, how lucky do you get to have one graduating class with one good goalie and they had one with two amazing goalies. But that was one thing we always had at Strake was good goalies. And I think that came from Block just he was an all-state goalie in high school. Was he he's from is he from Kingwood? Yeah.
0: Oh, I didn't realize there was a connection. I didn't realize he went to Kingwood. Yeah.
1: Well, and then a funny story. So Block coached me and then when we get into my coaching stuff I ended up coaching this kid, Hunter Pike. Well, Hunter Pike's dad, Michael Pike, coached at Kingwood, and he coached Coach Block. Oh, really? So it like went full circle right there.
0: (laughs) That's cool. Um, So when you, your senior year, maybe even your junior, I don't know. Did you ever have any designs and playing in, in college at all? Or did you did you think about it? Did you not think about My it? My senior year I started to be like, "Ah, I kind of want to see what's
1: there." So I, you know, I got on some of the random websites. I think the main one that actually got me some stuff was like berecruited.com. And I got a lot of MCLA offers. And then the very next year, University of Dallas was starting up their first NCAA team. So that guy reached out to me and I was like, "Oh, cool." an NCAA program that is still in Texas. Let me see what they're they're all about. Took a visit there. I well, I I applied, took a visit, did all the shebang for that. But I got there and it's a very Catholic school. And going from a small private Catholic high school to an even smaller private Catholic college, I was just kind of like, uh <laughs> I don't want to do another small school. So I actually went off to LSU for my first semester of college. Did you really? Yeah. Uh, How did not, you end up there? Oh Well, all my lacrosse buddies ended up going there. Or right. half of them did. The other half went to A&M. Um, but yeah, so a lot of them went there. And when I visited there, I just loved the campus. And it's LSU. It's Baton Rouge. Why not, right? Had a wonderful semester there. Ended up having a terrible GPA. Uh, Parents said I could stay, try to work it out. I was like, ah, no, I'm just going to come home. (laughs) That's just a waste of money at that point. Uh, Right when I get home, I get a Facebook message from Coach Block. I guess someone had told him that I had moved home, and he goes, you want to help coach at Strake? And I was like, yeah, why not? I'm going to U of H, commuting there. Strake's on my way home from U of H. I'll gladly come help out there. So that's how I got into coaching was... So what year was that? that you? 2011. I had just graduated. So I graduated right. 2010, and spring 2011, I start coaching. And that was tough. I'm coaching the JV Green Team, which is mainly uh, sophomores, some juniors. Uh, Block rarely put freshmen on that JV Green Team, but every now and then there would be... The freshmen at that school were the only ones who didn't really know me. Everyone else I was a part of that program while they were a part of it. It was really tough getting their respect. And honestly, I didn't really get too much of it, so I made them run a lot, do all sorts of stuff uh, and I wasn't even supposed to be the head coach of that team. There was a we had a guy Kevin Beatty, he was from Dallas Jesuit, moved to Houston. Uh, and was in the area for work, uh, and he was supposed to be the head coach, but his job—I want to say he was in sales or something—he couldn't really get off in the evening sometimes because they had a lot of different events that he would go to, stuff like that. So I ended up taking control of the team most of the time, and
0: I mean, had a good season, but yeah, but that's that's you you hit the nail on the head on the when I was at Cy Woods. There's there's always an interest right, to, to bring coaches just a coach who played right yeah. so often that's the that's the criteria right just somebody who played to come coach, and it's interesting that you had that experience because we discussed this when I when I was at Cy Woods was there should be some like you had to have been out you've graduated at least four years ago some some buffer there right yeah so at least. If you came from Cy Woods, we at least kind of flushed the system of people that knew you, right? And And So that's an interesting experience. I I think
1: for high school, every high school program should be like, give us four years after you've left this high school program or any high school program, honestly. Uh, Just because you're still a kid. And yeah, even after that four years, you're still basically a kid. Uh, But I mean, I was thrown right into it. So I did the 2011 and 2012 season at Strake as the JV assistant. Uh, 2012, I was with the JV white team, which was all freshmen. There were a couple sophomores on it. They were like first-year sophomores that weren't really the most athletic type. Kind of just, I want to try something. I haven't done a sport. Let me see if I can make it in lacrosse.
0: Had you you developed... At that point, had you developed a focus? Did you find yourself focusing on offense or on defense? Uh, I,
1: or? I strictly, to this day, I will never coach offense. I, I it, When I first get out there, I just get flustered and I can't explain it. I can't coach it. Yeah, I'll see it and I'll know what's going on, but I can't coach it. And it's just tough for me to relay that to any kid, uh, which later on, it got us our first year with my, with the Richmond Tigers team, we didn't have anyone who knew offense. Uh, every coach we had was a defensive-oriented coach. Luckily, I had a midfielder who scored 56 goals that year. <laughs> <laughs> kind of covers that up a little exactly. bit. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so 2012 was my last season at Strike. Nothing too crazy happened while I was coaching there. Just big learning curves. Is it? Do you keep up with Strake? Oh yeah. So uh the head coach there now, Kevin Anderson, uh we talk a good amount. He's try he's been he's been trying to get me to go out there and coach, but I'm taking a break from that for a little bit. Uh but uh we've ever since I started coaching another high school program, I always scheduled Strake. Oh. uh I I just love going back. Um, especially because I'm in two of the trophy cases. So why not?
0: Oh, guys, look, there I am. Well, I get, <laughs> get, get to go back and coach on the field you played on. Exactly. Right? Yeah, and, I was spoiled
1: and, over there, too. He, he uh, Who was it? Uh, you're talking about Kiernan, how they played on gravel. Oh, we didn't get the turf field at Strake. Dang. We got a grass field backfield that's nicer than most people's stadium fields right now. Right. Uh, we were real spoiled over there, but
0: it—that's why. I mean, i am honestly, man, that's where it's at. It's at those private schools as yeah. a coach. I mean, the re—and I've talked about this with multiple people, but it just all the things that you take for granted—a nice field, right? Turf. Could you imagine having an artificial turf? It's beautiful. Lights, right? You know, all those things that that the public school clubs or teams or programs or whatever the heck you want to call them. Um, you know, they, they struggle with all those resources yeah. at a private school just to have those resources at your disposal and have the support of the school on top of that. exactly An athletic director who will talk to you. Yeah, right? it's, at Strake, we... uh they Strake did it
1: the right way. So it's Texas. Main sport is football. Your athletic director is the football coach. Strake's, while I was there, was the soccer coach. He was the athletic director. And he made... Just rules based on who gets to use the turf field, who has priority for the backfield, priorities here, priorities there. And it was a formula they stuck to. Whoever is farther in the season gets priority on any field. And it helped. Uh, It settled any arguments that people had. Yeah, there's no dispute. It's like, okay, look at the chart. Exactly. The only time that... uh, (laughs) <laughs> there was any a dispute while I was playing there was my junior season in lacrosse. Swine flu had come through Houston. So everything was delayed like three weeks. So that pushed the city championship, which was Strake versus St. John's, back three weeks to the like second week of spring football. Head football coach hated that. Half of his rising junior to senior starters were lacrosse players and he did not want to give up the turf field so spring football while we were still doing lacrosse had to wait two hours to use the turf field even though they had a perfectly good backfield he did not want to be pushed to the backfield (laughs)
0: that's the single greatest story i've ever heard yeah
1: (laughs) i felt so bad for them i was like sorry guys but uh (laughs) We're, we're trying to win state, and y'all are just practicing spring football. Were you still
0: playing football?
1: Yeah, so I was still a football player, but I didn't have to go to spring football practice because, right. I mean, I'm on varsity lacrosse. If right. you do a varsity sport, that takes priority over yeah. any other sport you're about to start up, uh, and which helped me out a lot. We did morning football, which was terrible. That was our off season. We didn't have football PE. It was morning football. You'd show up at seven a.m. and get an hour workout in. Anytime I had a lacrosse game, I got to skip that, and it was wonderful. I hated morning football. Uh, but one of my favorite things about my junior year was that city championship game. We went to St. John's. St. John's was defeated in or undefeated in uh, the city. Did it, you play at St. John's? Yeah, and they had already bought their hotels. They had already reserved buses, everything to go to Austin for the state tournament, for the semifinals. Their last practice, I want to say they were throwing water balloons around. That's the rumor that we heard, that they were just having a water balloon fight. We show up, I, you, I would have to go back and look, but I think the halftime score was like 13-2, to two, us up. We ended up winning like 18-9. to nine. We were able to get a whole bunch of freshmen experience, sophomores experience, but we just blew them away, uh, and it was an amazing feeling.
0: Was it? Were they at? Was it Scotty Caven? Were they? At, yeah. Were they at that field yep. at that point? God, it's yeah. one of my favorite fields in Houston. I love
1: playing. I loved playing on the field. It was always really nice, uh, well kept up, and just being right there in Houston,
0: right in the middle of the city. Right. So.
1: The only other field that I loved more, one thing we would always do, the varsity lacrosse team at Strake would always go to the Jesuit Lacrosse Classic. That was always up in Maryland. So we always had a spring break trip up to Maryland to play some lacrosse. Uh, My senior year, we played at Gonzaga Prep, downtown D.C. Uh, There was a... uh, can't think of the word, a protest going on down the street. And I want to say it was like Jesse Jackson or someone was leading it. And we could hear that while we were playing. And we're right there in the middle of all these buildings, middle of like downtown D.C. playing lacrosse. It was so much fun. Now, the field was turf and there were a lot of potholes in it, but the experience was a blast. <laughs> yeah, super cool, right? Oh, that's uh, awesome. And then, yeah, the it was always hosted by Gonzaga Prep and Georgetown Prep. I'm so glad we never played Georgetown Prep, though. That was the first time that I ever saw face-off specialists. Really? I didn't even know the phrase FOGO until we my junior year at the Jesuit Lacrosse Classic. We show up, and I was like, what are those guys doing? They're doing chops on the sideline. And one of my teammates goes, oh, those, all they do is face-off. They're just FOGOs. I was like, that, "That that that's a thing? And they're like, yeah. You can get far with that. (laughs) I I had no idea what that was, but uh, yeah, and uh, it was always fun going up there. We, uh, my junior year, we went two and two up there. Can't really remember who all we played my junior year, but my senior year was probably the best we ever did at the Jesuit Lacrosse Classic. We went three and one. We beat Regis Jesuit out of Colorado. San Ignatius Prep out of Chicago. Uh, not the one from California, uh, the one out of Chicago. And then it wasn't a Jesuit school, but it was a school that was like closing down that uh, uh, Gonzaga and Georgetown Prep let play in the tournament just because it was Cardinal Gibbons. We beat them. And then we, the team we lost to was Gonzaga Prep, but we shocked them. Like they weren't expecting us to be as good as we were. And that was one thing going up there Block always said, we're not going to have the IQ or the stick skills. But no one's going to want to dodge to the crease, and no one is going to be able to outrun us. We were running up and down on these guys. They're going through lines like crazy. We're able to keep our starters in the whole game. Especially it's 70 degrees up there. It was beautiful my senior year. My junior year, not so much. My junior year was 20 degrees and sleeting the whole tournament.
0: So that was just straight up Catholic lacrosse weekend. Yeah. Does that thing still exist? Yeah, um I know Georgetown Prep and Gonzaga
1: Prep don't host it anymore. My two years when I coached at Strake, Strake actually hosted it. Uh it was kind of a more centralized place so they were able to bring in St Ignatius from California who uh they sent, I want to say, a trio of brothers to the to Virginia. I forgot their names though. Um but uh, San Ignatius Prep is, they're just a lacrosse hotbed in California. They're in San Francisco, I believe. Um, but yeah, they came down. That was an amazing game to watch. Any game they played, they...
0: So do they, still do, they still do this? I mean, have we hosted it in Houston no, since then? Is it no. No, I know Tampa Jesuit hosted it
1: after Strake did two years. I don't know if it's still going on because Strake doesn't go to it at all. Uh, Strake will make a trip to New Orleans and play New Orleans Jesuit. Now I think. Uh, so. I think.
0: I thought they came here once. And I made. I, I think them they play. did. Because I, the I think they played were.
1: Klein also when they came down. Yeah. Maybe uh, something like
0: that. But,
1: yeah, to my knowledge, the. Jesuit lacrosse classic doesn't happen anymore but that was always so much fun going that's, up there that's
0: just ripe for a really cool t-shirt right
1: oh I <laughs> I still have one of my uh, one from when I was coaching I don't have any of the ones when I played but my senior year I was so ecstatic it was my first time to ever go to a division one lacrosse game we leave Gonzaga prep uh, halfway through the dinner that they have for everyone and Everyone's, like, looking at all those Houston boys, like, oh, how disrespectful they're leaving. We're like, we don't care. We got tickets to Syracuse Hopkins. Oh, wow. So we went to Homewood Field, and we show up, and the game's already started, but they no one had scored yet. And as we're walking up to the stands, we're watching, first goal scored Jeremy Thompson between the legs, bouncer top shelf. I was like, this is amazing. Everyone's going insane, like, It's one of the greatest lacrosse rivalries, and I was able to go to it. First ever college lacrosse game I went to. It was a blast.
0: Well, just to go to Homewood.
1: Yeah, that's something. uh, I I would love to go to the Carrier Dome, watch Syracuse play there. I'd love to go to just the Final Four weekend,
0: watch all those games. We went, oh my gosh, was it two years ago? think we've got to go to final four weekend well i was hoping
1: i would have gone this last year because me and a couple of my former uh kids i coached we were like if billy's team makes it we're going so did they make it no oh they it was because they had it was like halfway through the season (laughs) when they when those kids said that they were going i was like i'm coming with y'all but they ended up not even making playoffs because that d2 bracket is rough i think they only took like the top like 12 teams or something and it might have been less they might be moving the 12 teams now but it's tough to get it for that D2 you have to like win your
0: conference to even have a shot yeah. so how do we get from your coaching career at strike to Richmond <laughs> well no because you because there's a stop over there right at U of H
1: yeah so so
0: how, how did we get from there to U of
1: H uh Justin Rich and Turner Harris were starting up the U of H team. And I was playing on the Paps Blue Ribbon team with Turner and Justin. Justin ran the Paps Blue Ribbon team. And they're like, yeah, we're trying to get this rolling again. I was like, I'll help out. I didn't do much to help out except sign some papers. They had me as like treasurer. I can't do treasurer. So when
0: you say get it rolling again, what's the history?
1: Um, Or do you know the history? It's on and
0: off, on and off. On and off. That is U of H lacrosse. Uh, That's that's Sam Houston lacrosse. It's Stephen F lacrosse. Yeah. I I don't know about Stephen F, but I knew him. I
1: think with U of H, uh, what, when did Tony Scazzaro get to A&M? Like the 70s, early 70s. And as far as I know, he was like one of the first people to really bring organized lacrosse To Texas, right. Well, U of H started up a team a little bit after he was there. Really? So U of H had a team. Didn't realize there was
0: that much history.
1: Yeah, U of H had a team in the seventies. It collapsed. They started up again in the eighties. It collapsed. They started up again in the nineties. It collapsed about two thousand five. That was when Justin Rich was on that team. Uh, I think Kyle Parody played on it. You
0: may
1: have Ormsby was the coach. For that last U of H team. Uh, Then it collapsed. 2005, I think. And we started it back up in 2013.
0: I didn't realize. I guess I just didn't know. So Ormsby, I think he's still at Rice. Yeah, he's still at Rice. So did he go directly from U of H to Rice and has been there? Yeah, he's been there
1: since 05, I believe. Uh, So yeah, that team collapsed in 05. Then that was the team Justin Rich played on. Well all of a sudden we have all these Paps Blue Ribbon guys who are full-time students at U of H. Right. Let's try to start it up again. And we did, and you had me, Turner Harris, Stephen Hartshorn, Dallas Shooter. Uh, who else? I'm trying to think of some other people you would know. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, we started it back up, ran Division Two that year. I think we were only allowed to do Division Two. But we scheduled a lot of D1 teams, and I think they thought it was just going to be a cupcake for them to play us. First two games, we played Texas Tech and UNT, and we beat both of them by three. My favorite part about the Texas Tech game was our goalie Ben Jacobs makes a save, and he's throwing it down the field to uh, get it to Steve-O or one of the attackmen. And we're playing on U of H's practice field, the U of H lacrosse practice field, which is just a drainage ditch, nothing special. It's like the intramural field, but the bad one. Right. And Ben throws this pass. D pole goes up to intercept it, hits the D pulls shaft. The goalie was also running out to kind of get the ball. Ball lands, hits a rock. So it bounces directly to the side, completely away from anywhere its momentum would have gone. Goes straight in the goal. So he had a full field goal off of a shaft and then a rock. (laughs) Their goalie was pretty upset, to say the least. Um, But yeah, so we won those two games. We started off great. Won two games. We go to Sam Houston. And it's our first game Like playing, honestly, a good team they had. Michael Mann, uh, Travis Tab. Um, it, it was, I think, their second-to-last championship game. I think Patrick Ferdin was on that, Tyler Tyson. Uh, that was the year Taylor Brooks was coaching yep. with them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and we go there, and they beat us by six or eight or something. We're just like, damn. They were a lot better than we thought they would be. I was pretty upset with myself. In my head, I'm sitting here saying, "I'm I'm guarding Travis Tab, and it's like he's a lefty. Force him to his right." I was so stupid. I was forcing him to my right. <laughs> so I'm giving him his strong hand, and I'm just like, "No, everything you're doing is wrong." And I thought about it on the drive home. I was like, "Oh, dumb Tim, dumb dumb Tim."
0: Who is the coach?
1: Uh, that was uh Parody, Jim Parody. Well, he was the coach at. Sam Houston. Who oh, oh, was, who was my your coach? coach? So Justin Rich was the head coach. Andres yeah. Dikmanis was defensive coordinator and James T- James Chen was offensive coordinator was Andres. Was that his first coaching gig in town? Was he doing other, was he pulling he other was, coaching games? He was, was that it with the Woodlands and the Presbyterian school also? Yeah, he had a lot on his plate uh, and he, he always has a lot on his plate. He's doing so much stuff. Um, but yeah, we did. We played them, got beat by them, then we played T, TCU, got beat by eight by them again, uh, and then ended up having a pretty decent season, met Sam Houston again in the uh, City Championship,
0: which I'm sure you were at. I was, I was in Friendswood. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah. I, that, was a, that was the famous, that's the famous game I referenced with Steve-O, yeah.
1: Bloodied Steve-O, right? Well, and, uh. Yeah, so I was the one who posted the video of him doing that behind the back fake that <laughs> Taylor Brooks was talking about. I, I posted it on like the U of H Lacrosse YouTube uh, page and then I sent it into Lax All Stars. And I was like, oh, check out this sick uh, behind the back fake. And then it just exploded the next two days, ended up getting. Like, 10,000 views in two days. And I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. People probably didn't even know U of H had a lacrosse team. It became a thing, right? (laughs) Yeah, and then then they zoomed in closely on uh, Stevo's helmet. And they were like, is that a Warrior T2 with a Cascade face mask? Stevo had taken off the Warrior face mask and put on a Pro 7 face mask. Then Lax All-Stars posted... The modification he did and then they go and maybe it led to this and it was a picture of steve with his bloody <laughs> face. <laughs> so it's like, uh, I mean it does void the warranty so <laughs> it was a good one. Uh, but yeah, and then school just wasn't for me. So after that, I tried to stay at U of H. Did the next fall semester but basically failed out. Uh, went Back home to Richmond, started just doing some summer classes at Wharton County Junior College, or not summer, but simple classes at WCJC. But while I was at U of H, this is how I, like, this is kind of the story that gets me into coaching at Richmond was, I was driving to U of H practice uh, one day, and I'm driving by the elementary school that I went to, and I see kids playing lacrosse out there. There's, a co- There's one guy coaching them all and 20 little third, fourth graders out there playing. And I was like... I'm going to guess, who was that? It was Tom Parton. So, oh, All right. wasn't yeah. who I thought it was, but all right. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah. I, I was just so shocked because growing up, there was, to me, there was no lacrosse in, yeah. in the Fort Bend area. I didn't know who the Fort Bend Rangers were, honestly, until after I graduated
0: high school. Yeah, I was going to guess it was rusty.
1: No, so they kept their stuff more towards Sugar Land. Um, But uh, yeah, so I stopped my car and I go out there and I introduce myself like saying, hey, I go to U of H, play for U of H, live in Pecan Grove and would love to help coach. And Tom's eyes just lit up because Tom had never played before. His son played for the Fort Bend Rangers uh, and Tom fell in love while his son was playing, he helped coach with the Rangers and then started up the Richmond Grizzly program.
0: That's how I know him from GHYLA. I know him when he spun up the Grizzlies. Yep. Right. And got involved with GHYLA. So
1: when I met him, that practice was the start of their second ever season. Oh, uh, so he started it with, I think like 15, 20 kids. The first year we got up to 40, the year that I came in, and then at its peak, we had it at hundred fifty kids, which was humongous for us. We didn't. I was the only coach out there that had experience for the bulk of it. Right. Uh, and I mean, I have. I couldn't commit to them because they weren't paying me. It's like I needed a job, and my jobs were always at nighttime. I was working in restaurants, stuff like that. Like, I would love to get paid to do that. And then Tom finally was able to be like, look what do you need to help us more? I was like, if y'all could pay me, that would be great. Which sadly is a downfall to lots of these programs. You get coaches that are in college in the area that play on a club team, but they need to work through college. They need Mm -hmm. to pay their bills. And some of these programs just don't have the funds to pay them. Uh, But yeah, that's how I got with the, the Richmond team. That was 2013 helped with the Grizzlies and the whole plan was to have that Travit or that Richmond Tigers high school program with those grizzly players.
0: So at that point, what grade were those boys in? They were fourth graders so was there anything in Richmond above them at that
1: point or were they it? That was it because the Fort Bend Rangers middle school teams had dissolved so you had. Sienna, they started up the same year Tom started the Grizzlies, I believe. Okay. But I think he started with all age groups. Uh, and then Fort Bend, all they had was like varsity high school. Uh, and then you had the Richmond Grizzly who was third, fourth, and then each year we would just add another grade until we got to high school. Um, and just, it was rough. I, I mean, we got a whole bunch of dads to go out there. It was like, what do we do? It was like, this is how you catch. This is how you throw. This is how you scoop a ground ball. This is how you shoot. It's just like throwing. <laughs> uh, then uh, I was like, just
0: make them run. <laughs> so, was, so Billy's a good example, right? Was 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 did you know Billy from that age group? Was he involved with the Grizzlies at that point and you got to see him go all the way up through Billy high school? Billy is like trip? me.
1: Billy didn't start till his sophomore year of high school. Really? Yep. Wow. Exactly. That uh and I loved Billy because his first day out with us he's throwing left-handed and I'm like, "Oh, that's awesome, man. You're a lefty." He goes, "No. I'm right-handed, but one of my friends said you need both hands to do this." So I figured my right hand would come a lot more smooth. Why not just practice my left? And from the moment, I was in love. I always wanted i always wanted to put a deep D-pole in his hand, but we already had so many guys who had D-poles, and he was so athletic. I was like, I want to make you into a midfielder. I would love him as a D-pole, but I'm going to have you do midfield. Then I think his junior year, he went to the Team 91 tryouts or something, and they put the deep hole in his hand. And it was history ever since. Yeah, he's got that, that real loose look, right, with a pole. It's so smooth. Yeah. It's just everything about him with that deep pole is just natural. Whether it's in his left or his right hand. And it was funny. I think his senior year came around. He didn't like putting the stick in his right hand. He had worked so much with his left hand that it was almost becoming his dominant hand in lacrosse. I think more than half of his goals that year were scored lefty. He
0: was probably your second or third leading scorer, I bet, wouldn't he? No.
1: So, his senior year, I had we had uh Tucker and Ethan. So, you had Brennan Tucker and Ethan Apple. Yeah. Uh and I had Maxwell Shepard. Maxwell Shepard is at Stratford now. Uh But those three, they combined for over 100-something goals that season. Uh, That was their sophomore year. Uh, That was Billy's senior year, their sophomore year. And if we could have just, like, each year I look at it, I'm like, if we could have just put it together, put it together. Every year I was with those Tigers, uh, which we started. Our first season was, I guess, so we just finished up what the twenty nineteen season. Yeah. So twenty fifteen season was the first ever season for the Tigers. So
0: did you just move up with that group of boys and yeah. hit the high school level um, and just went from there?
1: Except we only had three Grizzly players on our first uh, Richmond Tigers high school program or team. Uh, we lucked out. Uh, we didn't do it on purpose, but the Fort Bend high school team collapsed. Right when we were starting up the Tigers, so we got six seniors from them, and that ended up being my starting offense uh, well, got four seniors from them that became my starting offense then I had two seniors who had just moved from Keller uh, that became my other two attackmen
0: what happened to the at that at that point when Fort Ben folded what happened to the rest of those Fort Ben boys do you know there were only Three or four of them. It just kind of run its course, huh? They came to
1: us, and a uh, couple of them ended up quitting halfway through the season. One of them, his dad thought it was a school-sponsored sport from the beginning and couldn't pay the... or didn't want to pay the dues. He was like, no, I'm not paying for you to play a sport. So the kid ended up leaving halfway through. Another one was a senior, wanted to focus on uh, what he was going to college for, which was choir. So I was like, oh, that, that's fine. I mean, school... That's what you're going to college for. That's what you're pursuing your life in. Uh, But yeah, we, all the seniors basically had decided to leave the Fort Bend team. Uh, One of them went to Travis, and he was like, I would much rather play my senior year with the Travis team. And at the time, if there was a school or a team closer to you that was starting up, you had the option to either stay with the team you're with and be grandfathered with them the rest of the way. Or move to the team that's closer to you. right? Uh, and most of them decided to move to the team that was closer. We were actually doing fall ball practices versus... I think Rusty would have them come out like once a week. And there would be like three of them out there. So it's not that much fun having three people yeah. for lacrosse. Do do? Uh, but yeah, we had Tyler Dram. He was a senior. He was the one from Travis kid put in 50 what i say 56 goals that year we had no offense half the kids couldn't catch and throw and he passed the ball as much as you would want anyone to but at some points i was like just take over the game and he would if he if he was held to a hat trick we were losing that game uh my defense all first year players Funny story about our goalie that year. Uh, you might know him, Cameron Rose.
0: That name sounds familiar.
1: So he was a junior that year. We got him. We went up to Travis and we were rec- recruiting there. And he comes by and he goes, oh, I played lacrosse in Louisiana before I moved here. I was like, oh, that's awesome. What positions? He goes, oh, deep pole and goalie. And I was like, yes, thank you. We, we need a goalie. <laughs> uh, so he comes out real... De- decent fundamentals but still really just kind of raw tall kid he I think he's like six four or something almost the ideal body type for a goalie that you can think of athletic build everything we lucked out that we actually had a goalie coach that year who completely worked with him that whole season and turned him into a great goalie well the end of his senior year we're just talking we're at the Mexican restaurant we would always go to after games and practices. And he's like, yeah, I didn't think I was going to stay goalie. And we were like, why? He was like, oh, because I had only played it once before. And we were like, like one season? He goes, no. Once. (laughs) Once,
0: And we were like, well, then why
1: would you tell us you played? He was like, because I had. I played, you know, one pickup game or something with it. And we were like, oh, gosh. Well, he ended up being his senior year. He got all district, so turned into a solid goalie. Uh but I I am very proud to say my four years with the Richmond team, I had four all state players. Two different midfielders, one attackman, and then my favorite ever deep hole and Billy Crawford.
0: <laughs> yeah, the one when did you start running pickup games out there? That was... Like, from the get-go, my, or was that a that late That was my luncheon?
1: second... That was our second season with, with the Richmond Tigers. Oh, actually, no. First season, because our first season as the Richmond Tigers high school lacrosse, we had Beelen Field, which was the field that I played peewee football on growing up. Yeah, and I that, know where that field is. That was our yeah. practice field, and we had access to lights. so I was like, oh, I'm going to do some Friday night games, and those were great. Because wintertime comes around, you get all the college kids back in town, and I have an endless supply of lacrosse players in the Houston area that I can just send a message out to, and it gets out to 20 others. So I would just send those out and be like, yeah, this Friday night we're doing pickup. Come out. We got lights. It's going to be a cool day out. And, I mean, we would get... 30, 40 guys out there because you get all the Seven Lakes guys, all my Richmond guys, get the George Ranch guys out there. So you would have all these high school players, college players, and men's players out there. And it was just always so much fun. So anytime I have free access to a field, I am doing pickup. I am finding a time that'll work
0: and getting it done. What I love about those games is the... Those, those age ranges that you just mentioned. And I, and I really enjoy having, you know, older guys like us and getting a matchup against yeah. like a seventh or eighth grader or a freshman or something. Right. And then talking him through it. Yeah. Right. Here's what I'm doing. Here's why I'm doing it. Here's what you need to try to do. One of my right? favorite
1: things is to put, uh, my, my high school D polls on Taylor Brooks on Stephen Hartshorn yep. on Jacob McPherson, on these, Great yeah. players that come out there, or you know, every now and then Michael Lintner will make his way out there. I always, if he's playing deep hole, I always try to get my midfielders or attackmen to, match to get matched up versus yeah. him because how do you get better? You play the best. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> uh, there, and it that is when you see some of the best lacrosse is those pickup games because no one has any worries. The guys who are good, this is when I'm going to try all of the new stuff I've been practicing. Right. The guys that have been seeing that stuff, they're like, ooh, I want to try that. And it ends up working. I mean, you'll see all around the world passes to a beautiful around the world goal. And everyone's just in shock. Like, that was a kid with a Seven Lakes helmet who finished it. But a guy over here with a St. Arnold helmet started it. And in between... It was 10 other different teams. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, and, and that goes to what Donnelly was saying about being able to play with whoever. Just know the game. Yep. You don't need sets. Defense, yeah, you can talk through crease or adjacent slide, but those are so simple.
0: I think there's so much emphasis on like the youth levels. You hear parents all the time here locally talking about, well, that group of boys has been playing together for three years. Right. Oh, they, they always play together. Right. They, yeah. grew, they grew up together. They grew up playing together. It's like, all right, I guess. Right. But if you understand the fundamentals of the game, you can communicate. Exactly. I should be able to just throw some boys out on the field and play. Mm-hmm. And right? that's
1: that's really what I wanted to try to do my first year with the Tigers. I was like, well, we don't have an offensive coordinator. I'll put in a random formation that y'all should understand, and it's just dodge, replace, cut. It's just simple stuff. Right. Just a simple kind of triangle formation where you feed off of each other. And I think that's kind of the generic way to build into the kind of ad-lib of lacrosse, basically. just yeah, yeah, for sure. Just feeling how someone else is dodging. And that's another thing that's great about the uh, uh, pickup games is someone will dodge but someone thought they were dodging in a different way. So again, the way you just hear, my bad, my bad, my bad. They're like, no, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. <laughs> then all of a sudden there's I'm, a goal.
0: <laughs> I, I've, I'm, I'm curious how many burps we're going to capture. Right, yeah. The- I, I think I've <laughs> turned <burps> away <laughs> a couple times. and. <laughs> so what, So you left Richmond after this last season?
1: Yes, yeah, so this 2019 season was my last season with Richmond. I'm still going to help out, but more with keeping their alumni involved. Because, I I mean, I'm the one who knows them. Uh, My offensive coordinator that I had was a Fort Bend Rangers one. And one thing we do is every year at the Richmond alumni games, we don't have enough alumni to do an alumni game. So it always becomes Richmond versus Fort Bend. We bring in the Fort Bend uh, Rangers alumni, bring in whatever Richmond Tigers alumni we can get, have the regular Richmond Tigers team, current Richmond Tigers team there. Throw all the Tigers on one team, all the Rangers on one team, and play four quarters. It's starting to become a fun little rivalry. Yeah, I think awesome. the first year we did it, the Fort Bend team won. Second year, uh, or this past year was the second year, the Tigers won it. So you you see some good lacrosse out of that because lots of those Fort Bend guys they they ended up going to some decent places. Most of them ended up transferring home to. At Texas State, or well, it's because there was a a
0: kid I remember there was an LSM, Chad Mitchell. Is that who I'm thinking? Yeah, who went to to Texas State, right? Yep,
1: he uh he started off at was it Drew College? I think he did his first year at Drew and then he messed up his knee, transferred home, and went to Texas State and ended up playing, I think, three years there. Uh, But uh, that kid is a wizard with the deep hole.
0: Is he still but, running around here?
1: Yeah, uh, he was. He was coaching with my Tigers this past the past two years. We brought him on our coaching staff, and then uh, all right. his work schedule doesn't really allow him to play too much men's league. But when he can, he always gets out there. Cool. So let's talk about Saint Arnold's and men's league now. So, the Saint Arnold team can trace you can trace those roots all the way back to when I was in high school. The Saint Arnold's team. In a way, yes. So when we would do off-season off season in a, a, a high school, I mean, you only had two select teams in the Houston area, I think, at the time. Houston Hurricanes and Hula. Yep. Uh, yep. And then you would have the Team Texas that goes off somewhere, but I wasn't someone who was going to do select. I think we only had two guys on our team that did select while we were at Strike. Everyone else either just relaxed or had football going on. Uh, but we would always play indoor in the summer, right there at Kicks Indoor Soccer. And they never had a high school league, so we would always play in the uh, post-collegiate men's league for that. And our team was the Mighty, mighty Fighting Sea Torts. It was mainly straight Jesuit guys, but then we had Lintner on it, uh, and then our friend Tony Atkinson from Lamar. Then I want to say there were a couple other Lamar and Bel Air players on the team uh, with us, but we were the only non-collegiate, like collegiate, post-collegiate team out there, and they hated it because we were all in shape and just running all around, but those were so much fun. So we were the Sea Tortoises all throughout high school, then... I'm starting to get more into the men's league scene, still playing on the Paps Blue Ribbon team, but for the Drew Webb Sevens, the second year that they ever had it, I put together my own team for it, and it was the Sea Tortoises.
0: So this was when it this is when Sevens was still down. At
1: Houston Amateur Sports Park uh-huh. off two hundred eighty eight. Uh, so I put the Sea Tortoises together. Uh, and it was just me and a bunch of my high school buddies playing again then uh, i switched the team name to the Houston Gamblers after that and put and that was how we went it was southwest indoor soccer they were doing box or not box but indoor lacrosse there so we were the Houston Gamblers for that and then the next Drew Webb 7s we were the Houston Gamblers then i'm sitting here i'm like well you have the Paps Blue Ribbon team let me see if i can get another sponsorship or something Reach out to Waterburger. I was like, a Whataburger team would be so awesome to have. Uh, and <laughs> I send them an email, and within three hours, they respond back saying that they will not sponsor one team or one player. They would do a league or a tournament. Uh, so I'm like, okay, well, there goes choice number one. Choice number two, Shiner. So I reached out to Shiner. Shiner. They responded back in a day, and I was talking to them for about six months, and they were all for it, completely gung-ho, and then out of nowhere, they just stopped responding to my emails. Sent a couple follow-up emails, nothing back, and I didn't know much about St. Arnold at the time, except that they were a Texas brewery. I, I don't even think I knew that they were in Houston, uh, but I reach out to them, uh, send an email to their chief of marketing, Lenny Ambrose. And he responds back like, "Yeah, what do you need from us? What 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 uh, what do you want us to do?" I was like, "Uh, some." Free... I don't know. I haven't thought that far. Just, uh, <laughs> just give me uh, rights to your logos and some free beer for the games. <laughs> and he's like, "Okay, yeah. What do I need to do for the rights?" I was like, "I don't know. Uh, something uh, official." He's like, "Will this email work?" I was like, "Sure, we'll try it." And ever since then, uh, that was that was two thousand thirteen. While I was at U of H. So it was, we played in the Drew Webb's, it was the Drew Webb tournament, 2013 year. That was the first year we ever went as St. Arnold. We didn't have uniforms though. They came in the Monday after the Drew Webb tournament. I was, uh, I wasn't super upset, but it was like, ah, terrible timing. Cause the next thing we had lined up was the San Marcos sevens tournament. First year that was ever being played. So we wore the uniforms out there, and we ended up in third place in that. We had a pretty solid team for that. Uh, And then didn't do too much organized play in the spring. We would do
0: some. Uh, We would play Houston Legends, H-Town. What was the state? Uh, I'm trying to remember. So I started playing men's, like. Maybe 10 years ago. Something like that. For the old Bay Area team. Okay. Right. And then they, I, I can't remember when they became the Barnacles. I don't, I don't think I ever played for the Barnacles.
1: Barnacles came pretty recently. They were... Yeah, uh,
0: I'm thinking.
1: They went under the name Space City at one point.
0: Yeah, uh, I was... So I played... For, I think I played for when they were at Space City. And then I moved up to Cyprus and played Cyclones. Then North... North Stars? North Stars,
1: yeah, and, uh, like, Woodlands area. Yeah. Uh, So, trying to think. It, we had a lot of people showing up for our first games. For our first ever, like, I guess, actual season. It wasn't really an actual season. We weren't in a league or anything. I didn't even realize that there were.
0: There was a league, right? Yeah,
1: right. I, I knew of the one that PBR was in, but I also knew that they always had to travel to Austin and Dallas, and I was like, I don't want to do that much traveling right now. So I would just schedule whatever games we could get. And that would be versus Houston uh, Legends. They would play at uh, Scotty Cabin Field right there at St. John's. Mm. Then uh, H-Town, we would play them. Uh, and then when the Austin teams came in town, we would play against them. But it wasn't too much. I would, I think the first year we had four games. Uh, and I couldn't make any of them because... My work schedule. I was at a restaurant and they needed me on Sundays. Uh, but then I finally, I don't know how I met Mathiason, but I reached out to Steve randomly like, hey, I want to put St. Arnold in a league. And this was after a couple years of playing H Town four times in one season, playing tony's a couple time i was like okay he's got this gcla league there's a few other teams in there let me right. see what we can do uh so i reached out to him i was like i want to play in y'all's league i want to play for a championship all that shebang like why else are you playing said, yeah to have fun but why are you playing on a team because you want your team to win right if you were just playing for fun then every weekend would just be pickup games and I'd be all for that. But if I'm going to run a team, I want to get some hardware. Right. Uh, so he did up a schedule. Uh, we had a pretty good r- team that year. I. So what year was that? Uh, let's see. We won, I think that was 2016. Yeah, 2016 season. Okay. Uh we uh we lost one game that year i think and it was to houston heights and that was in the regular season then we played them in the championship game and blew them out i think the final score was like 27 to 2 uh so that was our first gcla championship and our first year in the gcla come back the next year and no one is touching us no one is even close. We got we got Ben James. He's the head coach at Stratford. He came started playing with us. We got Stu Graham, who's the face off coach at Stratford. So there's our new Fogo. Uh, then we had uh, Harry Cutner. He played his undergrad ball at Saint John's University. Then his graduate ball at Loyola. Uh, and he joined Loyola right the year after their championship. Oh, wow. Uh, and he he was just amazing to watch on the field. He was just a midfielder, and it looked like he was never trying. He always would be rocking a traditional, uh, strung head, just running down the field, just jogging really and getting past people. Uh, and you could always see, in the close games, he would realize what the score is and be like, "Oh, okay." And then he would put five goals in, and all of a sudden we're ahead by five. It, it was almost like you couldn't stop him, and he wasn't really even moving that hard. Uh, it was real, real fun to watch him. Then we had some great deep holes. We had uh, Brandon Waiter. Uh, he played at. I want to say he played at Marquette, no Merrimack. Uh, then Pasquale Prano played at Cortland. And that guy is a magician with his deep hole. You, you've probably seen him some playing around. He's got the, he always rocks the New York Giants Cascade R. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, he's one of the coaches <laughs> at the Kincaid School right now. Um, but our defense was just, un, uh, you couldn't get past him. And then we had EJ Neese nice on offense. Then one of his good buddies from TMI, uh, Jake Watts. Uh, Sean Barabash from uh, he was at Seven Lakes at the time
0: re- so I coached I didn't realize uh, Jake and I coached together for 3d This yeah. summer yeah so yeah hey, I didn't realize yeah he That's was on that team he was in okay. Houston
1: that year uh, so we had him EJ Sean Barabash we had Armando Sandoval he was another uh, uh, coach at Seven Lakes and he's in uh, the military uh and that there was one game we showed up with nine guys armando did not play any position other than midfield and he was still going 100 percent the whole game we ended up winning that game i think it was 10 to 7 uh and we would just kill the clock as best we can there was one time ej caught the ball and just went up to midfield and just stood there for like five minutes. (laughs) The the defense (laughs) didn't want to come at him because they didn't want to make a mistake. And then all of a sudden he's by for another goal. But uh, yeah, we had a good team that year and then it was almost the exact same team the next year. But that 2017 season, we meet Bay area in uh, the championship game. Oh no, no. That was 2018. I think when we met him, So, 2017, I think it's another blowout for the championship. Then we had a couple guys leave us to go play with Bay Area. And I am not someone who's going to be like, oh, you're going to go play with someone else. I'm like, no, spread the talent. Right. Give us some competition. So, we had Brian Barnes and Cody Garcia. They went and they they live in the Clear Lake area. So, why not go play for a team that's closer to
0: them? Uh, so that 2000 our, our games with the with Bay Area always seem to be pretty contentious yeah uh
1: there's it always depends on who they have show up for them cuz Brian guy likes to have fun sometimes that makes it to where he can't get up in time <laughs> and uh Cody Garcia he's normally out there all the time but it just depends on his coaching same with uh. Alberto, always depends on his coaching. Then you always have uh, Lewis and uh, then Nick Garcia. They're always out there playing with Bay Area. And then I hate their goalie. Neil is a phenomenal goalie and stuffs almost everything I throw at him. And it just pisses me off. <laughs> I'm one of those deep holes that expects to score every time he goes down the field. Uh, but yeah, I think the 2018 season... It was a one goal game. And I think that might have been the first year you played with us. Yeah, I don't remember. It may be. I'm, I think I'm that was sure. the first year you played with us, and it was our last year actually competing for a GCLA championship. And we did three years in the GCLA playoffs and won three championships. Yeah. It was it was fun. Steve, he's got a great structure. And I love that he's building teams. I just feel like sometimes he builds them too fast in areas. Because uh, he is getting brand new guys. He's getting... Yeah, he is. You see new faces turning up. He, he's right? getting adult men, men to come out and try a new sport. That's tough to do. And it's even harder for them to play against a team like St. Arnold, who yeah. has guys who have been playing since they were kids.
0: Well, uh, I still go back to... I think it was two, two years ago. When we went up to Texas A&M. Oh. That was a blast. The uh, Because we went up... To, first off, I know a bunch of boys on the team, right? Up at Texas A&M, so that was fun. But then going up there, knowing their perception was, hey, this is a men's beer league team sponsored by a beer company. That was... This will be easy. That was the right? year
1: we played them while they were in season, right? Yes. Yeah, so... Yeah, yeah. They had a bye that weekend, uh... And their captain at the time, A.J. Hepting, great kid, he goes, hey, would you all would you be able to put a team together and come up here? And I was like, yeah, definitely. I know guys who would love that. Because all of us in men's league, we love playing against structured teams like that. Right? It's something that we haven't done in a while. Right. We rarely get to do. And that was a blast. We show up. I'm there 30 minutes before the only person. I think you come wandering up like... 20 minutes before the game We're the only two Then all of a sudden here comes everyone 10 minutes before the game And the whole time A&M is going through Their warm ups They were stretches. like legitimately
0: going through their pregame yeah. And uh, <laughs> I, I'm sitting there Just
1: like getting my cleats on And I hear one of their players go Yo coach is this team going to show up Or what And uh, coach Skaz he, He's played against a, he He's had teams play against us before So he knows like we bring competition. He just starts laughing. He's like, you'll see. And uh, I think the only person on that team that understood who we were was A.J. Hepting because that's why he got us out there. Right. They wanted good competition right. that was going to throw anything at him, And I think we ended up beating them by, uh, was it like six or goals was, or
0: something? I, I don't remember what the final score was, but I do remember as the clock was running down, they were decrementing the score. So I think by the time the clock hit zero, I think we were tied, or there might have been no yeah, scores. But we ended up winning
1: by like six goals, and that was the year that AM went to the MCLA tournament. Yep. Uh they yeah. won the LSA. I think they had three total losses. BYU, whoever they played in the MCLA tournament, and St. Arnold. <laughs> so I it's great though. Like we uh I don't know if you were out there, but I think it was last October, we played U of H.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. and we had like 30 guys show up. And the best part was their coach, he was someone I played with in high school the whole time. He had no idea how many guys were going to show up. But he was like, dude, he was telling the U of H guys, you guys better show up. They're pumped. They're bringing people. And we show up with 30, and he comes over to me and goes, I'm so glad y'all showed up with this many. Because I've been just... Pushing that y'all are showing up with a whole bunch And that was a real fun time I think I think U of H learned a lot from it Because we were teaching
0: Yeah, even The whole
1: second half we were yeah, teaching
0: Yeah even you, you, Man you hit the nail on the head Because there was Even at the college level Right There was Attackmen on my end of the field That I was Even at that age Right I was yeah. still coaching them up Here's what yeah. I'm trying to do to you Right And here's how you counter that Right
1: Well and uh, Like U of H and A&M, completely different programs. A&M always has players who have played. U of H, sadly, will probably always be in a rebuilding year. They're always going to have first-year players, second-year why, players. Why
0: uh, I mean, is it just because they haven't... Maybe if at some point they... they, they well, that's not true. I you don't know, even know. You know what U of H is?
1: It's a... Uh, I didn't do well at my other school type of school. Or it's a, I didn't want to stay at my other school type of school. So kids come home, all they're doing is, I want to get my degree. I want to hang out with my friends. I need to work. Stuff like that. Right. They don't have time for it. And lots of times they don't have time or the money to spend $1,000 to play lacrosse. Uh, it's tough. It's tough. We had a lot of commitment that two thousand thirteen year, and then it kind of
0: just tailed away. Are you still? I know we – St. Arnold's. We go out there and I think twice, maybe two or three times now. We've gone out there to scrimmage them. Yeah. I mean, are you still involved with them trying to trying to help them along or where where do they sit? I, I try
1: right I try as much as I can. Uh, but I think they're make they're trying to make it more so getting the kids to do the bulk of it. I mean, it is a club sport. Right. So, it is a student run organization. So, I think it's like y'all figure out what you want, and we will, the coaches will fill in where needed. And sadly, I think that's how you have to coach U of H right now is what do those players want, not how are you going to build the team?
0: Yeah, I had a very similar discussion with some Sam Houston alumni over the last year or so. Um, and you know me, with my experience building teams and coaches. I was like, you know, m- here's my here's my five year plan. Yeah. Right. And, and and the reality is, it's like, hey, this is a club. You know, the, these boys have to pull. Right, they've got to get organized. They've they've got to show some interest. Yeah. You know, you. It's it's not a situation where a coach or a board or whatever can jump in and, and start building the framework. It's got to be yeah. the other way around. Well, right? and. The hardest part is just getting the commitment at
1: U of H. Uh, and that goes both sides, the players and the school. U of H has a real hard time working with the club sports uh All club sports? Uh, I know lacrosse has a tough time. And I think I've heard from a couple other programs that they have a hard time. It's just U of H... Most of the U of H practices when I was there, we started at eight p.m. We were done at ten p.m., uh, which was fine with me. I mean, I we had the den right across the street from uh, the practice field, so we would finish up at ten. It wasn't ten o'clock; it was den o'clock. Right. Uh, and they what Mondays? I think they had specials on Lone Star, so we'd go over get some Lone Stars. Uh, but yeah, I, I mean. It's hard to convince people to get out to a practice at 8 p.m. After having a full day of classes or a full day of work. Uh, and especially because you might finish your classes at 4 p.m. and be home. And right. you might take a nap and now you're just completely out of it. So
0: if if you could... I mean, if you could insert yourselves in the middle of what's going on at, at U of H with the program there, what would you do at U of H? right now to, to, to fix it or write the ship or whatever it needs to be done at U of H. Yeah. I, or is there? I mean, I, I don't there, think I know right? en- enough about what's going on with
1: them internally to say, I mean, I'll, I'll help them out as much as I can. I want U of H to keep their team. I want them to be playing. Uh, the thing that I would push the most would be fundraising, get the price down for the kids. Yeah. Uh find ways to get more sponsors uh, and then work your best with club sports to be like, Hey, give us some earlier practice times or give us this field or that field. Cause lots of times they don't even let the lacrosse team on the nicer fields for practice. They're stuck in the drainage pond. Is that a
0: function of just all those other fields being utilized or
1: uh, it's a mixture of that. And, uh, U of H lacrosse hasn't had the best uh, reputation with U of H in general. I know there was one time that the this was back in Justin Rich's uh, playing days at U of H where the U of H and the rugby club, they got in a fight with like the soccer club and just destroyed the soccer players. Uh, but that that's one thing that's always been great is the rugby team and the lacrosse team have always had a great bond uh They're in the same position right yeah when i was plant, when i was living on campus at u of h one of my roommates was uh, a lacrosse player and then down the hall we had two rugby players living and we would we would just walk between each other's apartments just we're either hanging out in ours or in the rugby players one but it was real fun uh going there that's another reason why i failed out uh <laughs> so yeah that's that's how school number two uh, got me out of there.
0: <laughs> so who's the coach at U of H right now?
1: Uh, so Ed Lee is the head coach, uh, and then I know uh, Michael Song is helping him out. That he's the West Side head coach. He'll help out some with U of H. Andres is he? Is he... Uh, Andres doesn't do anything with U of H anymore. He's straight Woodlands D two, and I know he wants to push that Woodlands D two team to be a Woodlands College Park team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, which I think would be... would be awesome. ...huge. Um, that would be awesome. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, U of H was a fun team to play with. I would love to help them out more. Yeah, I would too.
0: And it, I think there's... I mean, there's a core group of folks here in Houston that would love to see them do well and love to help them. And it's it's almost like just folks trying to figure out how yeah and uh what what do we do
1: i've been i've been getting on ed lee's back a lot i'm like talk to us tell us get us involved like even if it's just an hour on like a saturday helping you with a car wash or whatever it may be get us involved there's people around here that will help you just have to reach out Uh, and I don't think Ed's much of a person like that. It would be more so him telling the players, like, hey, reach out to us. I mean, they have all the uh, resources, especially for their tailgates. I tell them, reach out to me. I'll get you some St. Arnold beer. They haven't. We have a good friend that works at Carbock. She was she ran the table while I was at U of H playing for U of H. Across. She would uh, be the official scorekeeper, all that. She works at carbach. Another person that can get them free beer. They haven't reached out to her.
0: Yeah. Like, eh, yeah. Just small stuff. Use your resources. Right, right. Reach out to us, right? Yeah, for sure. Last topic. Uh, men's fall sevens. It was something I always wanted. <laughs> something I always wanted to do.
1: I never had a field and I knew sevens is the perfect thing for men's league. You see the tournaments are all successful. You see pickup games when you don't have enough people. You do a sevens pickup right. game. I was like, let's have a league. And I have a friend who's a brewer at Tap, and they posted on Facebook that they bought that land. I asked, how big's the field? Is it big enough for lacrosse? He goes, oh, yeah, yeah, you can get there. Which we've seen it's a little bit smaller, but I think we're fine with that.
0: You, well, so what's cool about it is it's almost like this Sevens box hybrid yeah. thing, right? It's super cool, and I think that's the thing that people love about it. <laughs> At first, when I rolled up on it, it's you know there's there's the fence around the two sides of it, right? And it's right next to that church, Yeah. Right? So when I roll up on it, I'm like, man, this is small, right? That's your initial reaction. But then <laughs> when you once you start playing, it's like, well, this is kind of cool.
1: Yeah, right. It, it goes. It gets a lot more running in. Those, those runs that you do up and down seem like forever, but only like a minute's passed. Right. What normally would be five minutes has been a minute, and you're just gassed from that. But, yeah, it gets you in close quarters. And the fact that we still have deep holes on there, it really changes up offense on that. Uh, but, yeah, it was something I had always wanted to do. I just never had a field for it. And I'm not someone who wants to go out and spend a whole bunch of money on a field. Uh, that's why I was able to keep the dues down because Spindletap's letting us use it for free. So the uh, bulk of the, the league dues this year went to buying goals and supplies, uh, stuff like that, well, and the refs. I mean,
0: if, if walking through Spindletap after the games is any indication, I think they're doing pretty well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the the guys
1: that own Spindletap own that whole facility. All the businesses in it, they the own The church? It. They bought the church. Uh, They're... Their plan is to tear it down, and build a beer garden right there. Oh, They'll right. keep the field though. Yeah. They want to keep that field, and my plan is to have this league go on forever.
0: No, I think it's awesome. I think it's a great idea. Well, and, uh, and I, I hope I, I hope it's got legs because I mean, what's cool about it, aside from just it's the, the field we're playing on right now is just just kind of this cool boxy field yeah. thing. But it fills a, a gap for us junkies, which is okay. You know, box is done. The regular season, we still got a few more months till we get there, right? So there's this gap for all of us lacrosse junkies. Yeah. And it fills a perfect See, need, man. I, and I was
1: always nervous doing it in the fall. I mean, it's Texas. You have college football on Saturday. You have NFL on Sunday. Like it. it I I thought that there were gonna be a lot more people saying no because of football, but. The fact that we have it at Spindletap, who has NFL Sunday ticket and 20 TVs around. You have every game on. Guys right. finish up their, their, their game, the just go get a beer and watch yes. the game. I'm sure some of those guys uh, with the later games show up early, watch the game. It's like, oh, it's time for me to go play. Walk out to the field. It's perfect. And that was one thing with me leaving uh, the Tigers was men's league. My focus now is men's league. Awesome. To grow that focus more on St. Arnold. I mean, I didn't do that great with St. Arnold this past year because I had the back injury, and it it just I wasn't as focused. And now I'm feeling better. I'm actually playing again. So, I like it's men's league is what I want, and I've already reached out to uh, lots of the the people in charge of the Greater Houston Lacrosse because I want to get involved with that more so that they have more than their Memorial Day watch party. Right. We need clinics. We need ways for new teams to recruit. We need to help them out more. And I know Taylor Brooks said, U.S. lacrosse will help you with whatever. Well, Houston lacrosse needs to do that. Uh, and I, I think that's been the downfall for a lot of these programs. I mean my tigers team went from 30 players our first year to having 18 this past year uh, the grizzly program i said at one point i think was up to 150 players they were lucky to have 40 this past year
0: what do you uh, think and that's i, I, I know I, I, i'm beating a dead horse cuz i mean I, I contend people like us right who are involved at all levels we see that deterioration across all the diff- whether it's little kids, high school, men's, officials, whatever, right? We're all seeing that same deterioration across all that, right?
1: So one thing I've noticed is it's the coaching. And I'm not – there's no one specific that I'm, like, going to go after or anything. But you can't run a youth program by yelling at kids and playing only the best. It's a youth program. They're learning. Everyone needs to get on the field the parents will take the kid out with the snap of a finger. like right. If you're just yelling at them and they're not even getting in. Now, I can understand an A and a B team at that age level. Yeah, the A team. Go ahead. Right. Push them to win. The B team, that is your developmental team at that point. You need to make lacrosse players. You need to make it to where when they get up to the high school level, they still have the love for the game. They still know... The generic stuff. They know how to run a fast break. They know how a face off works. They know how to pass, catch, shoot, scoop a ground ball. All the simple stuff. They don't need to know plays when they're in the youth level.
0: Yeah, but I also think, going back to the pickup games, right? There's such an important role for those pickup games. You know, those kids that you talked about that are just trying to figure it out, just trying to learn it, trying to trying to new, you know, trying to learn a new skill or try a new sport, right? it's 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 we need more of those pickup games that people can depend on and know hey on 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 Thursday evening at this location, there's always a pickup game, yeah well and right? i I mean you saw uh, there have been a lot
1: of teams that have started doing it. I know Cy Woods did it at one point, uh but a lot of those teams charge. I don't know if Cy Woods did, but I know a lot of the teams are like, uh, five dollars for this pickup game, yeah, and it's well, like that's... I understand. Doing lights, stuff like that. But a lot of people aren't going to show up and be like, oh, I'm going to go play for $5 every night. Right. Uh, and I tried to charge at one point, and I think I got one person to give me $3, and I wasn't going to turn people away. I was like, screw it. Here's your $3 back. Let's just play.
0: Well, that's the thing. Folks like you and I aren't going to turn people away. Right? Yeah. It's like, well, that's fine. Just play. Right?
1: I know uh, one year Houston Christian did uh, like Saturday evening uh, pickup games under the lights and those were a blast and i think it was like was, five dollars that was relatively recently yeah, yeah the last
0: four or five years or something, yeah i think yeah, uh, yeah
1: and it was like five dollars to play and i mean the the first day i didn't have any cash with me and i uh, i go up to uh i think it was pete lady and uh i have five dollars and quarters in a bag and he looks at me he goes are you serious i go yeah, that's all I have. He goes, "Just keep it."
0: <laughs> I was like, I, can I see that look on his face. Too. <laughs> I, I was like,
1: "Can I still play?" He goes, "Yeah." <laughs> but uh no, I mean, the pickup games it's we just don't uh, have enough of that. And it, I think it's you when you were talking with a uh, parody, it's the grassroots. Right. It's the raw rawest form of lacrosse. I mean, uh it's just showing up and playing. It's, it's a
0: blast. And but the you know the the, the flip side of that coin where you said people don't aren't willing to pay or can't pay or whatever. The flip side of that is, sometimes I feel like parents are of the opinion that well if it's free, it can't be worth anything.
1: Yeah, I could see that. Right. Yeah.
0: And it, which blows me away.
1: Yeah, uh, and I mean. They, they can be really successful. There was one we ran at the uh, uh, church that the Tigers would practice at where yep. we went two hours nonstop. Yep. We had 50, 60 guys out there, four goalies. People would just sub out. We didn't have a quarter break. We didn't have halftime. We just played until people were like, oh, I think I'm going to leave now. Till enough people left and you're like, all right, well, yeah, I
0: guess we're done. And it ended yeah, up yeah.
1: being two hours of just playing lacrosse. Someone got tired, they came off. It, it, someone had to leave They left Someone filled in for them yeah. It was The best one That we had ever done It was You had almost The whole Seven Lakes Varsity team out there Almost my whole Tigers one You had Foster team out there The George Ranch team You had Half the St. Arnold 100 person email list Out there uh, It it was It was fun And I wish More people Who had access to fields Would do it And It's if you have free access to the field, why not? Why wouldn't you? Yeah, oh no, I have to go get the goals out there, just have kids drag them out there when they get there. Gotta, gotta address the legal liability. That I I think that is a big thing. That's that's something that I never ever thought of. Uh, (laughs) I just assumed people would be fine with it. No one really ever got too hurt, so it was fine. Uh, But I, that is another big thing is the legal issue. So a coach of a program won't want to bring all these kids out there because it'll be a big liability. And When I was at Strake, Block ran, I think it was Tuesday and Thursday night pickups at Strake. Uh, it was just a full-on pickup league. That's awesome. Where I think you paid like $20 at the start, you got a pair of shorts, and you got to play. We need we need more of that around here, man. Uh, if I can get access to a field again, I will. Something I, bigger than the spindle tap one.
0: <laughs> yeah, if, uh, I've always fantasized. I, I don't play the lottery, but if I did and won the lottery, right, buy me three acres and See, boom, off to the races, right? I always fantasize. if I bought if
1: I won the lottery, I would buy one of the warehouses by St. Arnold, tear it down, put it in a full St. Arnold field. <laughs> uh, uh, to dream <laughs>
0: <laughs> holy cow it's 7 15
1: almost two hours <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right we gotta wrap up yeah that was awesome
1: that was a good one
0: all right well i'm gonna i'm gonna cut us off there thanks for coming out dude. thanks for having me man Yeah, that was good stuff thank you very much